0: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: This is it. The
0: time has come.
2: Saturday night's all right for fighting.
3: Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall. You're better than that. On Talk Sport. Welcome to the Fight Night podcast. This is a special edition on Ricky Hatton. I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis was with me for this interview and we thought we'd give him his own place on our podcast platform because Ricky is absolutely brilliant. He's always honest, he's always hubris and he went on for 45 minutes and we didn't want you to miss any part of that by obviously chopping and changing various bits of our other podcasts. So we thought we'd put it out all on its own. So here it is, Ricky Atten in all his glory from Saturday night Fight Night Show on Talksport. I've seen you... On the treadmill and on the streets quite a lot. How are you finding it? How are you finding uh, getting back out and doing a
2: bit? I feel like knocking someone out, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but no. no um, to be honest with you, everyone that keeps saying to me is it's very worrying times. But in the in the in the in the time that we have been in lockdown, I've lost a bit of weight. I've been running. I've been able to see my kids. So um, yeah. And and to be honest, the way I'm I'm getting my head around the the, the thing is. Um, Careful, no. when, I was, when I was you know fighting, I used to do 12 weeks training camp where there was dieting, training, couldn't have a bit of alcohol, couldn't have any chocolate, couldn't have anything like that. So, you know, it's a little bit like that. And I did that three times a year. So yeah. this is nothing new to me. The, the, the only concerning thing is to me is about family members and kids and friends and, and just basically what's going on out, out there with this problem. I mean, I, I can cope with staying in. I've done it all my life and all my career, but um, it's a little bit. It's a worrying, worrying times, and it's you know. I wish I'm hoping in the next couple of days Boris is going to give us a bit of light at the end of the tunnel, let us know a little bit more what's going on because it seems at like the minute we've been saying you know two meter distance, stay in, don't leave your homes, get on with it, and I just I'd like I'd like filling in a little bit more of what the next. Steps are going to be for all our forthcoming weeks. Like you said, a light minute, at the end of the tunnel. At the minute, the tunnel, isn't minute it? We're, up, we're all up in the air, aren't we? What's happening? Yeah. What's happening? So,
3: yeah, absolutely. It's like yeah. you, you, when you're training, you're training towards a fight. You've got a fight day. You want that light at the end of the tunnel, and it's it's the same for a lot of people.
2: And yeah, I, I mean, if they say, if they said to me, "Listen, you know, we're going to be stuck like this for another six or seven weeks," I'd rather them tell us.
1: Yeah.
3: Because
2: then like, you can get your mind. We can all get our mindset for six, or seven weeks. we're left in in limbo a little bit
1: aren't we yeah no we are i I think ricky i i think we can safely say that we are definitely going to be like this for four more weeks and then i think they'll slowly ease it open and you know relating it back to you and what we do in terms of being in the circus of the fight industry if you like um I, i don't know what your kind of kind of instinctive projection is, but I genuinely don't think we're gonna have fight events till late in the summer. I... I think
2: I think fight events, I think I think boxing events, sporting events. Um I mean they're talking about the football doing it behind closed doors, aren't they? And stuff like that. You know, I think we'll have to, you know, I mean we'll have to see whether that works. But I think major big events and like, you know, I think what they're going to do first, I think like sporting events, football events, boxing events, mm. I think pubs, pubs, bars and clubs where there's big gatherings. I think they're going to be the last to come in. I'd like to think in, a, in the next couple of weeks, they say, you know, you're all right within reason. So have a few family gatherings or house gatherings or, you know, where you can have a few family members round at the house. And, you know, and I think if they give us that, I think that will... I think we'll all feel a little bit we'll be happy with that for the time being mm. but I think as far as um, boxing events sporting events go I think they'll be the last things to, um, to, to to come forward to be honest I've just told all all my boxers I said listen you know just do a little bit of training every day let's have it right you can't do now else you know so you know do a little bit of training every day and then the minute this does get lifted and it does start again you know what I mean if, if, you, if you're halfway there with your weight and your fitness, you've got a better chance of getting in a fight sooner than most. If you come and twaddle into the gym like I used to do, you're, <laughs> gonna be, you're not going to get one, are you? you know, so it's simple, isn't it? It's not rocket science.
3: As you, as you have now, obviously your, your knowledge has grown with training, nutrition, the science of the sport. When you look back at your career, do you, do you, do you look at it in a way where you're thinking that you wish you'd have had that knowledge? then or do you always think listen my career was the way it was and well, that's the way bit, that I, I worked
2: a little bit of both you know it's amazing but you know I didn't um, when I won my me, me first um, title if you like against Tony Pep uh, when I was the WBU champion and um, first couple of defences and by that time I'd had well over 30 fights yeah. I hadn't had a nutrition I was doing it myself Kerry Kaye's only come on the scene towards the latter end of my career and to be honest with you it's a good job god bless you kevin but um the point the point I'm, you know I'm, I'm making is you know is 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 like you know i think that must have been one of the main reasons why people in boxing new nutrition is so so important because it wasn't rocket science you know as even though i was able to get away with it um People knew it wasn't good for me. People knew it was only a matter of time. I could have got a little bit more out of myself performance-wise. I think I maybe could have got a couple of few years out of myself if I'd have lived the life a little bit better and looked after my body a little bit more. But, you know, if you was asked, going to ask me would I, would I change anything about it, I would say not a chance because, you know, that's what made me what it was. The fact that I was a little fat <laughs> and that um, a little scallywag and I went to the pub I'm just one of the boys. That's why I had the fan base. And if it was a if it was a Buddhist monk that went went to bed at seven o'clock every night, I don't think I'd have had the following. But as a trainer now, a boxing trainer, that's what I tell all my boxers to do. You know what I mean? You go to bed at seven o'clock, you know. It's a case, it's a case of do 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 as I say, not as I do. <laughs>
1: I remember yeah. you saying that to me, Ricky, as soon as I came up to see you. I think it was on the tenth anniversary of Costa Zo. Or remember that um and I, I remember we sat in your gym, uh, the Hatton gym in 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 Hyde, and you said, "There's no way I would have put up now with from my fighters what I was like when I was a boxer." But oh, the thing that you said it just now, though, Ricky, there was something very unique about you, and so part of the pleasure and the pain for you and your makeup psychologically was. Because I remember you saying this. I remember your mum telling me. I went to her her brother's carpet stall in Glossop, and she was telling me about this. Ricky gets to a certain weight and a certain time, and then he's back again. And he—it's almost like a trigger. You got to a certain weight. You'd had enough drinking, but it was part of you. It's part of you, how you formed as a human being, how you've kind of how you've developed in front of us. Do you know what I mean? Yeah.
2: Well, I wouldn't. Um, I think you know. If I was one of these that uh, I knew when I did a twelve week training camp, I knew I had to do twelve weeks because otherwise I wouldn't have got the the weight off in time and been able not only get the weight off in time you know anybody can make a weight, but you can make but you've got to be in boxing you've got to make a weight and then be able to perform at that weight and that was the key thing with with me, and that's why the twelve weeks camp worked at me because I could do it I knew it i could, knew it, knew it off just off by heart, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. Didn't I need, only needed Kerry K's for it in the end, if something wasn't quite working, I'd go, Kerry, that what we normally do, it's not working, that weight's not moved, and he say, try this, try that, but it just got so routine, you know, in order for me to make the weight, and I think to myself, because I was a naughty little boy, you know, and I used to, you know, my diet wasn't great, and sneak out for a pint, I knew, if I... If I was, if I snuck out for a few pints of Guinness six weeks before the fight, I wouldn't have been able to make the fight. I had to do everything meticulously by oh the good. book, otherwise I wouldn't make it. And in knowing that, that's what kept my focus. Do you know what I mean? If I, and and that's, but I mean, as a trainer now, whenever my fighters come to the gym, I say right, two weeks off, and when you come back, I don't want you to come back any heavier than that. Away and before training, I weigh after training, and that was a little bit unheard of, you know, and it's, you know, I'm passing on my knowledge because even though it worked for me, and I got away with it, sooner or later, it did catch up with me. You know mm. what I mean, you know, them punches that, you know, you know, I was shaking off round at Kostya Zoo era. By the time the Pacquiao era come, <laughs> they were knocking me into the middle of next week, weren't they, so. And that's, you know, wear and tear on your body, it's all right at first when you're young. You can shake it off, but it chips away at you eventually
1: in the end. So how, 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 going on to your career, because it's amazing to hear you talk about this. Because, um, you know, as you know, I covered your first fight in bowlers. I went all through America with you. I did your entire career, and it was an absolute privilege. And you know I think that, and I've told you many times, absolute privilege. Um, because at the end, you were fighting the two greatest pound-for-pound fighters in the sport at the time, and you'd earned that. What does it feel like? Because I know you still get it. You are arguably—I know Tyson Fury is very popular, and I know you're in his, in his dressing room with him. What does it feel like, though, to be called? When we go to America, they still sing "There's Only One Ricky Atton to me. <laughs> What's it like to be considered arguably the most popular British fighter of all time? Uh,
2: it means—it um, means everything. I always said, you know, my best win was zoo. And um, in fighting Mayweather and Pacquiao, you just said two of the best pound for pounders of I don't know, maybe maybe of all time.
1: Yeah.
3: Do you know what
2: I mean? So you know, to and even though them fights ended in defeat, you know, forty thousand going over for the Mayweather fight, running out of beer in the hotels, and I won't mind. I was in training, <laughs> but, but no, and, and, and like in Kostasou doing that in Manchester, you know what I mean? So we had specific fights that were you know I me. Mean? My defining win, and 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 you know, and, and great, you know, uh, achievements. But my greatest achievement was always the fan base, you know. And it's and the, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you've you put in the bank or how many belts you have in the tro- trophy cabinet, you know. What I mean, when when that's been and gone, and I'm here now and I'm you know, still knowing how the people feel about me even now to this day, you know. When I just walk down the street and kids run up and everyone comes up and you see it on social media and everything like that. And when you know I I you know, some of the f- people I aspire to, my fan base come more than them. And and that that's that's something I'll never be able to get my head around. You know, that you know, you know, like like our Frank, my mate Frank Bruno took ten thousand over, I took forty. That doesn't happen. How can that not be your best ever accomplishment? Derek?
1: But for Mayweather you mean, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah, how can that not be, how can that, you know, There was like um, 5,000 for Urango, 10,000 for Castillo, 40 for um, um, Mayweather, 20 for Pacquiao, 12 for Malinaji, and you know, and the record was half frank, 10 previously. So how can, you know, how, knowing the love that the nation has for Frank, and myself included, Ha, and and let's not forget the greatest achievement
1: but and and let's not forget because it is forgotten in all of this 55,000 at Manchester City stadium yeah, yeah man.
2: true yeah yeah for the uh, for the comeback um yeah you know it's, it, it's yeah. just um, it's just it's it's end of the rainbow stuff you know it's you know it's something that you will never ever wake up from and unless you've been there and that's i mean and that's re- really probably the main reason why Without going over old ground You know, once a the gloves up How I fell on, on rock bottom And bad times Because when you've had to deal Once you've experienced 60,000 fans at the City of Manchester Stadium 40,000 people in Vegas Singing there's only one Ricky Hatton Your hand being raised That you're the number one In the light like, World to division Against Costa Rica, In your hometown When that's gone yeah. It's very hard to replace And it's very hard to Told it together and it's well documented that I know i struggle but I feel very proud that what I'm trying to do now with Frank Bruno for mental health and for stuff like that because you know I can use my bad experiences to help others because you yeah, know yeah. They say, well, Ricky's had so many good times but by God he's at the bottom rung of the ladder and if Ricky can come back to where he is which I'd like to believe where I am now present day that's That's the best thing, you know. I'm not just, you know, using the good memories in the boxing ring, I'm using the bad memories out of that boxing ring to better people's lives.
3: and laws when it comes to mental health and just the little things that you're doing on social media now just to encourage people to get out and exercise and various things like that. What, what was the moment Rick, because like, like you say it is well documented that once the career had finished you you did fall on bad times. What was the moment for you that got you back to where you're at right now because you seem to be in a really good place.
2: Well, you know, different things. The, re- the reason that gets people on track—they all have their own different story. But I think it was when my second baby came along, Millie, and made me son Campbell. Millie came along; she wasn't planned, and I held her in the in the hospital, and um, uh, and I thought, "Come on, Ricky, it's not about you now. You've got another little little baby here now that you need to." And a bit by bit, I got me my, me my, 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 myself in, in in the right frame of mind and. Uh, it wasn't easy It didn't happen overnight it didn't happen at first But you know There was bumpy stages at first But eventually I got it on, on track I lost about five and a half stone in weight I eventually made, made a, a comeback um, And it, you know Even though it ended in defeat From where I come from To make that comeback And pick the opponent I did Maybe a little bit too Tough on a test For where I'd been You know To have that man for my first fight back But um, it was my biggest success in life Because most people turn around And say Listen I think people respect me more because of my bad times because they can turn around and say no matter what he did in the ring, he went on bad times and we've all had bad times, but by God, how he he came back. So I think when I thought I lost my respect because of the bad times when I was on bottom of the ladder, the stories in the paper, I think I lost my respect, but because how I came back, I think I got it back and more. And I want to try and use that positiveness, you know, in, in, in saying, listen, you know, you know, I was at the top and then I was at the worst and worst. And now I'm trying to, you know, people saw my, my life. I think, as, as Gareth will know, they saw my rise and downfall fold right there in the right in front of people's eyes. So they know it's not rubbish. They know they've been there and they've seen it. And to see me present day, and, you know, and you know, it's like what I'm doing on social media now. I'm putting some of the biggest crap on you've ever seen in your life, aren't you? know what I mean? <laughs> it's making people laugh. And give people laugh. And that's what you've got to do in times like this. You've just got to keep smiling, and keep laughing. We're all in the same boat. But if I put one post on Instagram or Twitter that makes people laugh, or one quote that says, Listen, we're all in the same boat and it works, that's what I'm here for now. And that's what I believe for. Not just a boxing coach, an ambassador for those people that, because I nearly wasn't here.
1: Exactly. I mean, no, and it's, and it's brilliant that you are. And, you know, we've, we've all read the stories of the dark moments that you've had, and, and that's why people can relate to you. You just mentioned the fight with vasil Slav Senchenko just then, when you, when you made the comeback. And I, we do need to pick over the bones of your career a little bit. And I know what I loved about you that night, because you were a ghost of yourself in the ring, and you knew it. Yeah, that's But when you came into that press conference, Ricky, and we were all sitting there, um, we didn't know what you were going to say. And you just said, that's it. And that's the honesty you've always had. You weren't, you, you, you gave it everything in camp. We came to see you, you look ripped. Excuse my French. You look absolutely ripped for that fight. You've given it your all. But the timing, the desire, all those things to be Ricky Hatton, you couldn't be the Hitman anymore. And you came, you sat down and you said, guys, this is it. And everyone was almost shocked. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, because it wasn't a bad
1: performance. Do you know what I mean?
2: Well, he had he had a I think it was like a thirty-four and one record. Yeah, he was a former world champion and he'd lost his world title in his last uh, his last fight. So I picked him, and I thought to myself, I think I can beat him. And if I fight him, then I fight for a world title, and then I can you know hang my gloves up. No, it was Amir
1: Khan next. It was going to be Amir
2: Khan, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And my team turned around and said to me, "Ricky, are you crazy? Don't pick someone like that. Just just anyone, just to knock over, just to get your confidence up and get your eye back in. Then we'll maybe go for him. And I just turned around and said, no. I said, listen, in my heyday, I'd wipe the floor with that kid. No, no, no disrespect. So if I can't beat him now, what the hell am I doing back into boxing for? So we made the fight. And then when he did beat me, and I thought I was just maybe pinching the fight by the skin of my nose. And he got me with a body shot. And, but what, what had happened was, you know, for the reason I said before, if I can't beat him, it tells me that I haven't had that I have got it anymore and it's time to move on. But people respected me for the attitude that I had in picking the opponent that I had. Mm. And then when it came about, I held my hands up and went, what did I say before the fight? That's good enough for me. And you know what? A lot of people thought, oh, no, Ricky's got beat here again. He worked so hard for this. He's going to go straight back to where he went. But they had the opposite effect for me. I felt massively mm. happy. To fight a world former world champion and nearly nearly beat him after everything I went through, and just get pipped at the final finish line, you know what I mean? It was great for me, and I've not looked back since. Would you have beaten Khan? I think I'd have beaten Khan. You know what I mean? In um, you know, I think you know at the end of the day, I think you know. I look at his fight with Madonna. I wasn't as big a puncher as Madonna, obviously, but I had I had more. Scalability on moving in on my opponent Like when I box cross is who He wasn't a mover like Cam But I could move in on my opponents quick I think You know When I was in um, When I was in my prime I, I had a good chin So I don't think I'm here I think for as, as long as I'm here with a run I, I'd, have, I'd, have stu- I'd have been running after him And I wouldn't have gasped And I don't think he'd have walked me on to one Because I think my chin was Tough enough at that time And I think you know For I'm here to run and hold, hold the Ricky Hatton who fought Kostya off for 12 rounds. I don't think it would have, have, have done it but uh, I'm glad it never come off because I was just coming to the end and I'm here was just rising up and um, and he, it is my friend. So, you know, I wouldn't like to have, you know, I mean I don't think i you never know, I might, might have put the finishing touches to my career or I might have ruined the start of his career. So, I'm mm. glad it never happened in the end but if you're asking who would have won in, the, in, the, in our primes, Ricky Hatton against Costa Azul, he could have run and run and run, Ricky Hatton that night and caught
1: him, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> So, late stoppage, late stoppage, yeah?
3: Yeah,
2: probably, yeah.
3: Ricky, on, on the big super fights, the, the Mayweather fights and the Pacquiao fights, people obviously know that they took place at welterweight, but career-wise, you, you were really a light welter. Would you have liked to have fought, maybe both of those, who have obviously fought at 140 previously, would you have liked to have fought them there?
2: Yeah, it's, you know it, in boxing it's all about timing in 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 it. You know what I mean? I, I you know a fight that got away from me was Miguel Cotto, and he was the 140 pound WBO champion at the time. I beat Kostya Zou. Now that would have been the time of fighting because Miguel, I was fresh, top of the top of my game, and Miguel Cotto uh, was struggling to make 1 140. He was struggling to make 10 stone. So if I'd have fought Miguel Cotto at 10 stone, I think I'd have, I'd, have, I'd, have, I'd have beat him up. But I think Miguel Cotto was pound for pound a better fighter than me. And he proved that when he went up in the weights. Yeah. He was a better welterweight and light middleweight, wasn't he, Gareth?
1: More and of a technician. So, more, more of a technician. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. You know, at the bigger weights, he was better. But if yeah. I had boxed him at that period of time at light like, welterweight, I think it might have been a bit different. If I have fought Mayweather at that period of time when I was when I fought Kostya Zoo. And don't forget, I think when I fought Mayweather, I'd had about 40... 44 fights, 43 yeah. fights or some, something like that. And before that, don't forget, was 15 WBU title defences against Taki, Oliveira, Phillips, Kosti-Zou, Carlos Carlos one Juan Yurango, Organ Louis Castillo. I think when I fought Mayweather, I think I was slightly past my best because I think I'd had, you know, I'd all, all them miles on the clock and then I moved up in weight, you know, again. Don't forget, you know, Floyd had about I had more fights than Floyd at the time. Very similar He had about
1: thirty eight, I think. Correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah, correct.
2: But but he was making people miss, you know, mm. master of defence, you know, movie said where I was having wars in four and six rounders. So by the time we got to that stage, I think my I think my my battery had run out or or just started to. Do you get where I'm coming from? Yeah. So I mean but I mean if he had the opportunity to When I botched Calazzo at Welterweight, I said, uh, um, I I moved back down to Welterweight to fight Urango. And I said, I'm never going near Welterweight again. And then the opportunity came against Mayweather. And I thought, well, if you get the opportunity to fight the pound for pound best, you can't knock it down. You've got to go for it. And that's what I I did. But I I was very fortunate.
1: Ricky, you'd also beaten Castillo with a perfect liver punch, if you remember. And that kind of set things alight because Castillo, as we spoke about on the show last week, had given Mayweather um, terrible time over two fights, if you recall. So when you put him away with the body shot in an amazing performance, we called it, I remember my headline was the perfect punch. It yeah, yeah. propelled you towards that Mayweather fight, didn't it?
2: Yeah, it did, absolutely. And um, I never I never really bad-mouthed any opponent, so I thought, I think I said something along the lines, I said, you know, yeah, well... Floyd's so gone twenty-four rounds with him and there was exactly. more entertainment more entertainment in that my four rounds than you saw in his twenty-four. And that that sort of like got me in my fight. I mean, who I was, carried
1: who carried your belts into the ring against Castillo? Famous musician and a famous footballer?
2: Yeah, uh, Wayne Wayne carried it in, Wayne Rooney, because I always respected Wayne. He was like uh, talk about, you know, um all his pride on his shirt, talk about three lines. And I was the same in boxing and we had a lot in common, so it was nice. Wayne to carry it in and uh, Marco uh, Marco Antonio Barrera carried the other belt in and I was a Mex- he was a Mexican and I was fighting a Mexican and I said to him, I said, uh, you come to the fight, he went, who's carrying the other belt? He went, can I carry it in? Yeah, I and remember. I went, Brilliant. I said, I don't know Marco. I said, you know, you're, you're Mexican brothers. I said, mate, go a little bit <laughs> here if you come out <laughs> carrying the belt. He went, he went, I don't care, you're my brother and he carried it out in front of all the Mexicans. Never mind me walking in front of him, I felt like walking behind him. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Weren't the lads from Oasis there as well for that?
2: Yeah, the lads from Oasis. No, no, the, uh, the, the Nolan Liam carried the belts in for the Malinagi fight. For right. Malinagi, which was uh, which were another two of my heroes carrying the belts in. And um, yeah. the Malinagi performance after me, um, Me Lascano performance wasn't great. And we may one of fight got beat, so everyone was thinking maybe the time's come to hang them up. And I performed probably one of my best performances against Malinagi. Brilliant. That yeah. set up the performance, set up the Pacquiao fight, Then, not you? Mm.
1: You even used your jab that night from memory. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First time in 45 fights, yeah. But, yes. uh, <laughs> but it's like, and that's why people like me. I always have boxing ability and I always had a good left jab. And... Um, there were fights like against Ben Saki and uh, Ray Oliveira, and even Costasou. Even though I was moving in on him quick, I was moving in behind the jab. Um, but you know, it's not the way I used to uh, like to do it. If the truth, the truth be known, and you know that's. Uh, and to be honest, a lot of fights, that's what got me in trouble. The higher you go up in levels and the higher you go up in experience. We can't change the book on boxing The jab, it sets everything up. Your jab's your rangefinder. And as you go up in, in levels, no matter what your game plan is, you've got to use your jab more. And I mm. forgot that at times in certain fights.
0: They can prescribe FDA-approved
1: weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zeppound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's
0: plushcare.com slash weight loss. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.
2: Beautiful punch, now this is is what we're looking for. This is a new Ricky Hand, we're seeing a beautiful right hand again. He stays on the campus and this fight is over. The perfect left hook to the liver
3: ends the fight. Who you like watching in your own weight categories now? At 140, at 147. Who, who do you like watching now and who do you think could go on to dominate those weight categories?
2: There's a, there's a boxer that Floyd Mayweather's got, isn't he? Is this Southpaw? I forget his name, girlfriend?
1: you on to Davis, are you talking about? I think that's it,
3: yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, no, yeah,
1: he's yeah. lightweight, isn't he? He's lightweight, he's lightweight. He?
2: yeah, it's yeah, up. yeah
1: you must like the likes of Regis Progre, Josh Taylor. Um, Josh Taylor,
2: yeah, uh, yeah. Josh Taylor. Ortiz,
1: these guys.
2: Yeah, we I spoke to Josh, I mean, Josh has probably been in a similar position because Josh had been using my gym with Ben Davison and, and Billy Joe Saunders. And, um, you know, he won um, the, the world title, didn't he? And then he got the ring belt like I, mm-hmm. like I did when I beat Costas and Mauser. And, and uh, he was of the opinion, he said, listen, you know, Whatever fight comes up, I've got to get. But if he felt that there was bigger names in the welterweight division, he was contemplating, uh, you know, maybe yeah. going up to wel- welterweight as he's as he's not cleaned up, but near as damn it, you know, in in the junior welterweight division. And um, just spoke that at moving up that seven pound. It's not like bantamweight to super bantamweight and super bantamweight to feather and feather to super feather, is it? You know, it's, you right. know, you know. Well, you know, you know. Junior welter, welter to welter is a full seven pound, and it's a big jump. And but you know, that's where the money fights were when I was there. You know, the Mayweather, the Cotto's, the uh, people like that. And it seems like the big names that you just mentioned there going at the welterweight division, and that might be a move for Because, I mean, once you've um, made you know your, your solidarity in the one weight division. You want to set yourself goals and test yourself. And that's why I went against Billy Graham and moved up to Welterway beyond, um, beyond his instructions. But I, I did it. I won a World World title and I wouldn't change that for, world, for the world. I think Josh Taylor's in the similar kind of um, situation, isn't he?
1: One person who we can compare to, which I mentioned earlier, is Tyson Fury. He's, his popularity, he's gone from villain to hero. He's doing all those things that we've talked about with you that are very important... He's he's enjoying like you. He enjoys being loved by people, and he wants to give. Yeah. Um. Talking about the heavyweight division, and I know you work closely with him. He likes you around him. We were with you last, of course, Adam and I, at the uh, the Wilder fight, the first one, the Tom Schwartz fight in Vegas. We you were on the show with us. Um. There's talk about Anthony Joshua against Tyson Fury next because of the lockdown that they might. Hasten the fight, do step aside, money. There's a lots of complexities to make it happen. Are you really excited about seeing Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua?
2: Absolutely, because I mean, it's like, it's like I've always been a, you know, I've been a boxer and a boxing trainer and a boxing promoter. But you know, even before them days, I've always been a student of the game. I've always been a fan of the game and a fan of of our British fighters, past and present. And you know, I remember years ago, you know. You know, you'd have two, you know, two British lads fighting for the British title, and not being disrespectful to to anyone. You never heard of them. No. Now we, now we've got the number one and two in in the world, mm-hmm. and both, you know, you know, different styles, different personalities, different. It's it's it's, it's, a, it's a, and it can, I think it can't not happen, but the only reason why sometimes. These fights don't happen because you know you have rival promoters and rival TV companies, and you know, and then you have two fighters that AJ will say I've got all the belts and rightly so, and Tyson will say I'm un- I'm unbeaten though and I'm the lineal champion, and it's because of that <laughs> is why sometimes big fights don't happen. But I just think there's that more in the pot for everyone for AJ Tyson. You know, for, for, for AJ's promoter, for Tyson's promoter, for the TVs, there's that much in the pot that I think that, and because of public demand, how can it not happen, happen Gary? The undisputed we, heavyweight title. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we know, we know the game, how the game works, you know, and we know why, if it doesn't happen, why it won't happen, but we can't allow this not to happen, can we?
1: And well, would Wild? Would they have to give Wilder about maybe? I was trying to think about this this morning, and we're, obviously we're talking about this on the show. They're going to have to give him a serious amount of step aside money to do it, though. Maybe five to eight million, something like that. A big pot to, because at the end of the day, if I was in Wilder's position, I'd force the trilogy fight, wouldn't you? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely.
2: Yeah, and it's just you know, it's up to the to the. Um, to the to the, the the TV the promoters and everybody who deserves something out of the pot to say you know is it worth our while to to give him whatever he needs Do you know what I mean we can't answer that because we don't know what what's in the pot but only then we'll know you know listen can we afford to give it and I thought yeah we can and it's we, just about it's just about everybody being sensible mm. and not any individual being greedy, boxers, promoters, TV, the whole shebang in order to make it happen.
3: Oh, absolutely. Fingers crossed we get to see that soon. Listen, Rick, before, before we let you go, um, obviously we've seen the girls terrorising you um, throughout lockdown, <laughs> obviously with the water fights and various things like that, and keep you it, it honest, mate. Um, and I know that obviously now you're a granddad and what have you. Uh, young Campbell has obviously taken to the ring as well. Um, how's he getting on? How's, how's he getting on with his career?
2: He's doing all right. He's uh, he's running most days. He's got a bag hung up in the in the garden. So he's uh, he's doing what I'd like to think all the boxers out there are doing. And if you are listening and you're not doing it, get it done, you little <laughs> <'cause some laughs> related, There's a fight going to come up, you'll get one sooner if you're in shape or you're not. Anyway, but yeah, Campbell is um, he's coming on well. He's only been at it a few years, and he's he's done really really well. And the fights he has lost is against lads that. Fights we shouldn't even be accepting. Yeah. You know what I mean? If it was, you know, the last fight he got beaten the ABAs by the lad that won it the previous year, who's like three and four years older, and had like, you know, Campbell's had you know twenty-seven fights. This fella's had like sixty-seven fights. Yeah. If that was off at of the club show. You know, you'd say, "Oh, hang on," but we took a chance with him because I'm confident in Campbell's ability, and he's not quite got over the finishing line, but. He's mixing it with people that he shouldn't really be fighting. That's the point I'm point I'm making. So I'm happy with his progress. I'm happy with his development. I'm happy with his attitude. Mm. I mean, the fact that he's been become a father uh, at such a young age, I think has has helped him. It's mellowed him. It's slowed him down. It's made made him behave himself a little bit more. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, but no, he's a he's a credit to me. I couldn't be any more proud of him. Where he did the boxing or whether he didn't do the boxing, but I had to be opening the way he's performing after the few years and the inexperience he's got, you know, without putting any too much pressure on him. I think there might be half a chance, but all we can do is watch this space, let him develop, let him bring his daughter through, let him yeah. keep working, let him keep training, and what will be, what will be. But, I mean, he's got good people behind him and myself and Matthew and the Roy Richardson Academy, the boxing club, that he, he boxes for. And if he doesn't quite get there, it won't be for the want of, trying from Campbell and from the backing he's going to get from his family.
1: You you turned pro at 18, I think, was it Bowlers that first one that we were at with you? No, um,
2: no it was stats. Wid- witness that. Witness.
1: Yeah. you were 18, you turned pro under Frank Warren. Is he going to be
2: a little bit older when he turns pro, do you think? I think, I think he'll be a little bit older um, because he's, um, obviously I started when I was 11, he started when he was like 15, 14, you know, so he's got a bit of making time to come up. He's still making fundamental mistakes, like certain things, like, like his old man not jabbing enough, and <laughs> keep, keeping his eye on the target, keeping his head up, you know, and and stuff body like that. Shots, but, body shots, body yeah, shots, left hooks. Yeah. He, in the last 12 months, I think I speak for Matthew here and, and, and Tony at the Roy Richardson gym, he slipped He slipped a gear, a few, a few things. And, you know, I said to me and Matthew of agreement, you know, he's a long way off going pro yet. But I think what he's shown over the last 12 months, he's not quite there yet, but he's a little bit nearer. And he will make a better pro than he will do an amateur. But he still needs to get that little bit more experience from the amateur game and learn, get, put them fundamentals right before we, before we let him so, have a not So he can
1: box and fight. So that he can box and fight, yeah?
2: Yeah, and it's just, you know, he's like, dad, you know, remember, I got cut in nearly every fight when I first turned pro. And it's because I wanted to kill everyone. Yeah. What you did was just take your foot off the gas, knock it down 10 miles an hour, a little bit more subtle in your approach, and I never got caught again. Eamon and McGee?
1: That, Eamon McGee, remember that one? Yeah,
2: yeah, and that's where we're at with Campbell, you know, so, uh, yeah. you know, he's, you know, when he does go pro, it's, uh, oh, it'd be good because he's got my style, he's got my sense of, sense of humour, I don't know if that's a good thing. No, <laughs> oh, it is. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and he's a good kid. And I think fans will see his style, they'll see the person, they'll see the man, they'll see this sense of humour. And I think once they do and see his ability, and he has got maybe half a chance, I like to think they back, they'll back him like they back their old man.
3: No, absolutely. Listen, final, final one from us. Um, firstly, are you doing any karaoke this weekend? And secondly, <laughs> is, is uh, John Travolta, the norm getting involved at any point?
2: Oh, certainly. Little John Travolta, yeah, absolutely. When well, his son's turned up now. Mini John Travolta, <laughs> so uh, best explain little... it.
3: for people that yeah. don't know about that story, you best explain it.
2: No, I uh, my kids bought me um, I um, a little little um, uh, a gnome garden gnome, and he was dressed like John Travolta. So, I so I, I used a few jokes in it, you know, everybody you know, support the NHS and stay at gnome, you know what I mean. <laughs> and, and now, and now we've got two gnomes you know, together, I'm saying, everybody help the NHS. Everybody stay in your home in your gnomes, you know. This <laughs> little joke, and we've been on the karaoke, told me I should go to rehab. Gnome, gnome, gnome. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I might get him, I might get him uh, on the karaoke at some point over the weekend. So, what, watch out on me Instagram. Yeah, that's it. can I, I ask like just
1: it. one more thing that's occurred to me? You mentioned your brother Matthew there, right? Yeah, yeah. Have you guys had a chance to reflect on he thought. In Canelo, because he he put a joke out the other day. I'm still taking two pound a dollar day from that fight. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it, the um, I'm
2: people, still taking it myself because of that fight, and I was watching it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> look, look, Canelo's number one pound for pound in the world, in my view, and these are in a lot of people's view. And look what he's done. You fought two who've been considered pound for pound number one in the world. Two brothers, three number one pound for pounds. Fighters in the world. Have you guys had a chance to speak about that ever, or do you ever? Oh
2: I've, well, yeah, yeah, yes, and yes, and no. I mean, you know, it, it you know, it, it is what it is. You know, me and you know, we were brought up in a certain way by my mum and dad that we just say it the way it is. You know, I mean, if you've got an opportunity to fight the best, you fight the best. You know, you can't turn around and say I've come in this game to try and be the best, and then <laughs> yourself when the best comes along. Do you know what I mean? And I was proud of Matthew because Matthew. Was always seen as my brother Oh, Ricky's yeah. brother Ricky's brother And, you know, he, he lost a few six-rounders You know, on his way up But he stayed at it And stayed at it You know, and he Eventually, when a European title Defended it twice And went the distance with Canelo So he got his um, He got his own just rewards Of his own back Nothing to do with his brother But, you know It's one thing, you know He wasn't the most gifted of fighters You know, I think we got The best out of our careers With the ability we were given With with determination, desire, working hard. Good team behind us in Billy Graham and Kerry Kay's, you know. And we got the best out of it. But, you know, we've never been shy, shy of a fight. We've never been shy of a challenge. And, you know, and that's why that's why people, I like to think, respect me. But also, not just respect Ricky and respect Matthew as well.
3: How good was that? No wonder he was one of the most... Favourite fighters for a lot of fight fans here in the UK. Uh, Ricky Hatton there, uh, looking back at his career with myself and Gareth A. Davis on Talksport at the weekend. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, so therefore you never miss out on any of our content. And come and join us if you can live Saturday nights at 8 o'clock for more on Talksport.